Start to Spread It Podcast. Welcome to the Celtics Spreader Podcast. My name is Ben Vallis, aka Brittle Gash. Thank you for joining us. Hope you're doing well. Also with us tonight, he's just arrived back from the Chemiogele testicle donation drive. It is Jackson, aka Rickman Lives. Jackson, thank you for your heroism and generosity. How's things, buddy? That was good. I had quite a line to get through. A lot of, <laughs> a lot of people, a lot of people wanted to give it to our, to our brave Sammy. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm doing much better today, man. I don't know about you, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, no, I'm happy to be to discussing the result today and not uh, yesterday's. Let's put it that way. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Joe not with us tonight. He's otherwise occupied, but he'll be back next week. Now. A couple of weird games from the Celts these past two days, right? Like mm-hmm. yesterday, we saw really one of the all-time great bed shittings in Celtics history mm-hmm. there against the Nets where Gordo goes down with the knee, Jalen goes down with a hamstring, and Kemba was on a severe minutes restriction. All before Karis LeVert outscores our entire team in the fourth quarter and overtime. Like, what, what a fucking nightmare. And then today, like first of all, got the W and Brad Stevens post game quote. That's one of the most rewarding wins I've been a part of coming off of last night. I just thought it showed good character, which is great. But again, weird game, right? Like for instance, Shami Ojale, 22 points on eight of 11 shooting and five threes and six boards and two assists and a block. Like what, what is going on here, Jackson? I don't know. What did we just see these past two days? I, I have no idea because like, I think I think the magnitude of the bed shitting, as you so rightly put it, yesterday was just so enormous that I randomly yes. saw the number 51 today on the bus to work. I think it was on a billboard, like the end of a phone number. I just, for some reason, the number 51 just stood at me and I got pissed <laughs> off immediately. It's just the world. Yeah, yeah, because not only did fucking Karis Levert score fifty-one, that was the total point scored by the Nets in the fourth quarter. So I just that number just triggered me hardcore. So I thought I really was hoping for a bounce back today, and we got it in a very bizarre fashion. I mean, it was good to have Tatum back and kind of resuming, you know, star duties. Um, Mm -hmm. That was that was very thank. I was very thankful for that. It was good to see Smarting because there was some um, uh, talk around that he was going to get suspended after um, uh, giving that ref a spray last night. But um, no, basically Based on how the game unfolded, given that it's the Cavs and the Cavs are like basically one of, if not the worst team in the NBA, mm-hmm. and it was pretty much basket for basket up until like the last couple of minutes there. Uh, yeah, it was very bizarre. But I mean, at the end of the day, I'm just so glad we won something because yes. if I had to fester <laughs> on that loss any longer, it would have driven me insane. Do you feel the same way? Yeah, never been happier to have a game on immediately the next day. Uh, even though we were playing with a starting lineup who had played uh, 18 total possessions uh, together all season. And wow. yet Brad rolled them out there. Uh, Reddit user Brad Stevens writes, a road win with no Kemba, Jalen or Gordon is a good win no matter who we play. Uh, shout out to Shami Ojale who saved our asses. Uh, mm-hmm. which is absolutely correct. He, he had an incredible game. Um, like first couple of threes went down and uh, he was defending his ass off. And I just thought he was kind of, you know, obviously he came off the bench, but he was he was everywhere on the court tonight and, and kind of um, was the ultimate Shami Ojale. Like the kind of, um, you know, thinking about Shami Ojale for the last few years, like kind of whenever we've had dollar signs in our eyes or stars in our eyes thinking about what he could be, tonight was it. And... 
it's only one game, sure, but heading into the playoffs where we're kind of clutching at straws as far as what our rotation might be and there's been a few disappointing outings for the bench lately, to see uh, this promising a showing under these circumstances from one of our bench guys in a game where he copped maybe the most savage nut shot I've seen in a long time, uh, based purely around his reaction to it. It was brutal. Um, yeah, it was just really, really promising to see. So very, very happy to see that from Shemi. Uh, what about the Time Lord? We've had him back for a couple of games now, and I feel like this adds to the weirdness of this little two-day timeline. Like it's not like he just came and joined our full complement. He he, you know, hopped back on the on the bus with the rest of the the healthy team. It's kind of like now that the team's already weird. Like here's the Time Lord, make it weirder. And was it his, was it his <laughs> involvement possibly that just made it so weird? Like his just his time <laughs> his time space continuum just uh intersected with our reality and just created these like you know fucking intense gravity waves that um that it's the only way that i can explain a 51.4 quarter so yeah maybe time lord is to blame um no i'm stoked i'm stoked to see him back i mean barely featured at all uh yesterday uh very little in fact today a little bit more prominent but still you know in a restricted role obviously yeah um but i mean we still we got we still got a couple of mandatory you know alley-oops and um you know, I just I, I just love seeing him back. Like I got su- such a soft spot for him. He's my he's my flair on um on um uh, nice. Celtics Reddit. Yeah, so like I, I'm a big believer in Time Lord, and I've been vocal about it in the past. So as long as he's back on the court, man, I'm pretty happy. But like if this if this bizarre reality interdimensional uh, weirdness continues, maybe we have to um I don't know take a take a stand on <laughs> whether we're going to allow him in the team. I don't know. Banish, I don't know. banish him. Uh, user Prestige Worldwide made, made a post on the sub after the game today about Robert Williams. And they started off their post by saying, personally, I think next year he has a legit chance to be our starting center. I think he's already more valuable than Cantor because of his mobility. Obviously not better than Tice, but I think if he stays healthy, he'll be our second string center by the postseason. Do you, do you happen to agree or disagree with Prestige Worldwide there, um, Jackson? No, because I think we spoke about this in our pod earlier in the season. I think mm. if he, I think the, the development that he's sort of been deprived of, game time and reps and whatnot, this year has probably hindered that development that I think he he will ultimately fulfill. But like, yeah, I think if that if that's if that statement came earlier in the season, I would have been like, yep, yeah, sure, hundred percent. But I think he's been out too long. I think we're getting into a part of the season where even though we're going to secure playoffs pretty early and we're probably not going to be dropping any lower than the three seed, like, you know, a skid can still happen. So seedings are still important. So he's not going to be, he's not going to take Tyson's spot anytime soon. Um, so I don't see how he infiltrates that starting five lineup come the playoffs, but uh, give it a year's time from now and next year's playoffs, you know, assuming that we make it there. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm willing to, I'm willing to back that horse. Sure. Yeah, I mean, he, he kind of touched on, on his post here, his mobility, especially compared to Cantor. And that's an exciting thing to see. Like, I feel like, you know, Tice is great. Don't get me wrong. It's a lot of, to do with his basketball IQ and his defense and his mm-hmm. ability to seal and all of these little chess move things that, that Tice does. But it's kind of exciting to see a center, a big man for the Celtics, like running rim to rim and like doing like modern day NBA center shit, like catching oops and like dunking and you know doing exciting flary flashy things that only Mm. at least as far as our roster is concerned the time lord can do um i I love his pace and i love his agility and i I like that um like now we've got our our uh our three-headed 
monster back in terms of our center rotation and like mm. between the three of them they all have the makeup of one great center and now that that puzzle is complete again so it's exciting um it, it also felt like we got a, a peek at a bizarro alternative timeline timeline rather where we yeah. earned the tatum pick by being a naturally bad team we we're talking about this in our in our group chat um just tatum surrounded by a bunch of like obviously not scrubs but like you know in this scenario like marcus smart is the other like sort of later lottery pick that we managed to get by being bad maybe the year before we grabbed tatum and other than that it's mostly like sort of g league call-ups and you know basically a bad roster let's be honest around jason tatum and we got to see how he might operate uh under those circumstances and it was kind of exciting right like he was passing Mm. really well out of those double teams and like I thought he was clearly the best player on the court and I just thought it was exciting to see him play um you know under those parameters. Yeah. Yeah, that was a fun the fun thought experiment because I was thinking to say he looks like the best guy on like a crap team. Um yeah. and that's precisely how most uh top draft picks um uh begin their NBA careers. So, yeah, that was that was fun for um for a few moments there um envisioning that. Obviously, we're getting the best version of Tatum uh as he is currently <laughs> uh in in career best form. Um but uh yeah, yeah. Now I often think about Tatum's development and like I think we've we've all been swept up in like the hype train the last like a uh, couple of weeks and you know, our Celtics fans have been like waiting for this train to come for for um two seasons now um so i think i think you could probably say he, because he's been around a winning environment and and like competent established you know starting players and he's been integrated into that very you know naturally uh to a degree i think he's just got an advantage over any other guy in his in his class really because he's just been around winning structured competent organizations coaching staff and players and whatnot his whole career and i think that's mm-hmm. going to come that's going to pay dividends i you know real sooner rather than later you know particularly in the postseason but anyway yeah um seeing him i, I was super super glad he was he was playing because because yeah, I think if, I don't think if he was a part of today's uh, team, I think we'd be sitting here talking about uh, how in trouble are we now? You know, that's that's three <laughs> uh, really bad losses in a couple of week, in a couple of games now. So what, what are we going to do? But um, no, no, it was um, yeah, no, it's good to have him back. It's that stat again. We we've won 100 percent of our games where we're a plus one in Tatum's on our team, and uh, <laughs> it rang true again today. It was really good to see, and he's definitely the constant, right? Obviously, he doesn't play yesterday against the Nets and you know there are a lot of things that went wrong there and it, it could be that Tatum could have been complicit in those wrongdoings but he wasn't there and uh, now we can sort of turn to him as this pillar of of hope and light and essentially think to ourselves if Tatum's on the court we've got a very very good chance of winning and even though Gordo and Kemba and, and Jalen Brown were all not on the court today Tatum took over and, and got it done 32 points nine boards six assists two steals and a block I, I was surprised like when I saw what the starting lineup was, um, at the end of the game, I was surprised that he didn't have a total statistical explosion. Mm. Um, it's, it's kind of amazing. And I hope that he kind of walked away from this game thinking, yeah, that was cool to be the guy once, but I'm thankful to be playing on a winning team full of competent roster fits because like those doubles or those triples are coming and they came early in the game here for Tatum. And turns out like when you can only pass to... Um, Shami Ojale, who was great today, but you know Brad Wanamaker and Grant Williams and guys who are good role players, but not good second or third stringers. It turns out that doesn't really necessarily um, uh, translate to to really good stats. And despite all of that heavy defense that he took on, only the six assists, which is unusually high for Tatum, but yeah. um, kind of low when you consider how much he was having to pass out of those those double teams. Interesting. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I think that definitely would have been higher had we had at least one star, one one more star uh, next to him. 
Yeah, just a one-legged Jalen even, or a, or a one-legged Canberra Gordon, or Gordon Hayward. Gordon, yeah, they're all going to one leg at the moment. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> talking about like combining like you know the centers to make the perfect one. If we just combine like all of our starting five, we'd have like two pairs of legs. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> we just come back from the uh, Shamiojale testicle donation drive. Maybe we need to go uh, donating some, uh, some limbs as well. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I'm gonna keep it. I'm gonna keep I'd running with that joke, people. Don't worry. Uh, all right, going out on a limb, are you? We're zipping through this one. Honorable mentions. I want to get to Marcus Smart, who hit eight of eight from the free throw line, which I think is the standout stat for him. And also 18 points, of course. Four mm. turnovers, though, and five for 15 from the floor. The last couple of games, I think even going back before the Nets game, it hasn't been, I would say, vintage Marcus Smart. There have been little like Marcus Smart in a vacuum plays where he's you know had a clutch steal or a clutch rebound or he had that really great block on Jarrett Allen in the mm-hmm. Nets game. Um, but I feel like he's been making more mistakes than wins or winning plays, as we like to call it. Uh, I don't know, Jackson, what, what about you? Have you... Have you have you gone lukewarm on on Marcus Smart at all? Um, not lukewarm. I think I've, I still feel the same about him. He's like as I always have. Like I'd, I'd love him to death, and I would you know defend defend uh, you know his life with everything <laughs> I have. But um, yeah, no, there will be it, depending on what kind of game it is. It's either going to be somewhere between you know a sixty forty to a seventy thirty uh, ratio of things that he does that make you just you know affirm that love and just you know think he's the be- he's the greatest Celtic to ever live, and the other thirty percent of the time where it's just like you know it's borderline you know just just boneheaded you know plays you know whether it's you know you the he can get hot from three and i think he's earned you know somewhat more of a right to at least try but you know there are just nights where it's not on like a la tonight so um yeah. you know i think he needs to sort of maybe recognize and temper that down you know but dare i say it maybe even just try and like take like a bit of a page out of russell westbrook's uh book and just you know cut the threes out and maybe just try to to the to drive to the rim and then uh, distribute more um or i don't know maybe he he's, i think he's a better three-point shooter than russell westbrook's man it's an awful comparison but anyway um no <laughs> I know I, what you mean I, then, yeah yeah, yeah exa- like just evolving your game but no I, I don't feel any different about him than i ever have i think he's he's never going to be that guy who's going to you know step up to the plate you know offensively if he happens to hit 11 threes in a game sweet but if it's a loss not 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 bothered really so um mm-hmm. yeah i think he, he operates better when he's like we were talking about tatum like with his guys around him that he can get the ball to vice versa that when marcus smart has other guys that he can get the ball to yeah that's where he's at yeah yeah no fair enough uh it's it's like this roller coaster right the marcus smart roller coaster and the highs are very high and exhilarating uh even as you're coming down off of them but when you're on a low which i, I feel like we are to some degree now um you can forget uh, the joy, the thrill of the ride, I suppose, sticking with that analogy. Mm. Um, yeah, and you know, and yet he got it done today, uh, getting to the free throw line, particularly late in the game. He was grifting his ass off and um, took a little nut shot there and, and shared a little moment with with Shami Ojale there as yeah, um, nut shots all as, around the night. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I saw a little moment where they they bonded over that. Uh, Ines Cantor, who we mentioned as being slow and immobile uh, earlier, he double doubled off. 14 minutes and 21 seconds off the bench. Um, plus decent cancer showing. I, I guess, what he, um, you know, in a diminished lineup, he probably one of the more competent scorers. We, we fed it down to him low in the post there, particularly early on, and he got a few buckets to sort of um, begin a little bit, bit of a lead for the Celtics there. 
that was exciting to see, but I was happy to see him uh, reduced to only 14 minutes, even with such a diminished lineup. Because again, like talking about um, how Marcus Smart's been a bit of a bummer lately, Cantor's been a massive bummer lately, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. I, I just went to interrupt you to say he was plus 14, but I read that wrong. That was Time Lord was plus 14. He was a minus six. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a bit of a difference. Sounds about right. A lazy 20 point swing. Um, so yeah, no, I, I, it has felt like a while since he at least like came home with a double double on the stat sheet, but a double double to Enos Cantor's like, I don't know, like his, his almost min- minimum requirements. To a degree, yeah. when you he consider how, with a how yeah, yeah, when you consider how like you know a, a majority of his you know rebounds and points can come in the same you know three um, taps of a hand, so it's a bit different for him there. But no, he's he kind of fell off the a cliff for a little bit there. I was like, I always thought Joe was a little bit too harsh on him, but then over the last probably month, um, yeah, I've started to find myself going, yeah, you know what, this isn't this isn't what we need. You know, I don't mind deploying him against the 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 less important teams like a la the Cavs or the pistons or you know what have you um but in crunch games um unless we're unless we're just talking purely purely in there for just rebounding situations at the end of shot clocks and whatnot um yeah i would much rather see i would much rather see tice and time lord in there over over him yeah i like that term deploying him like he's like a pokemon that you keep in your back pocket for like the the (laughs) right moment uh that's 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 spot on um, sticking with the honorable mentions, Tremont Waters, who we saw a heavy dose of today. I'm really excited by this kid. I, he seems like a really competent ball handler point guard, um, which is good because he is one of those <laughs> in the NBA. Yeah. But I'm starting to like him more than Brad Wanamaker. I know that's probably not right because Brad's kind of earned his his minutes and his role a little bit. But I just feel like Tremont has this feel for the game. Uh, and in in that you know third guard off the bench role, which when we're healthy we seem to never be, but when we are, I, I feel like Tremont Waters is a little bit more dynamic in that role. Am I onto something there, or am I completely batshit crazy? No, there's something about him that when I see him on the court, I get excited too. I'm like, oh, awesome! Like we're going to see what what Tremont can do because he he tears it up in the G League. Like he, he yeah. could be one of those players that is just too good for the G League, but just may never crack the NBA. And I think they could probably attribute that most of that just purely to his size. But mm-hmm. we have a proud tradition of undersized point guards becoming legends uh, and NBA stars in in Boston. So um, he could Indeed. very next be the less the next in line uh, to that. So um, yeah, no, I, I'd probably like to see him more. Obviously, I think he's is he still on a two way contract. Yeah, yep. yeah. So we will only see you know so much of him. Um, probably yeah. There's always one Celtic who probably just becomes like the the scapegoat uh, you know, of, of the sub or of like the fan base and it definitely not as intense as it was last year given the results and performances lately but I feel like mm-hmm. Brad Wanamaker is kind of like coming out in that like taking the lead in that unwanted sort of race yep. and I think it's and I think it's I think it's justified to some degree because there are some games where he is bad and it, it probably does end up costing us like I'd, I'd say the Lakers and you know the second him his job versus their second unit if we go back a week or two but anyway um, yeah I think there's always one guy that cops it and I think maybe a little bit unfair on Brad Wanamaker considering he leads the NBA in free throw percentage like that's that's not a fluke hey like because <laughs> it's not like he plays like no minutes and it gets in like qualifies barely under the um under like the the, the attempt minimum like he, he's, he's the backup point guard so yeah he, yeah he does play quite a bit so no I I think that the hierarchy is good as is but based on what I've seen of Tremont Waters and what we could maybe expect to see from him next season uh with with some of Wanamaker's minutes instead um yeah that's that's encouraging 
Sure. Yeah. And Brad Wanamaker is actually the next honorable mentioned uh, for currently having the longest active steal streak in the NBA with at least one per game for the last 14 Man. games, according to Taylor Snow on Twitter, that's which not a, is... That's not a fluke either. No. Uh, yeah, I guess. I, I, I don't know. I kind of felt... Maybe, maybe know, it once, is. I don't know. One steal a game. <laughs> like, uh, I don't know. You can kind of walk into a steal every now and then. Um, and it's not like we depend on his one steal a game. Like, it's it's impressive. And yeah. it obviously shows... Can, can you remember um, any of them outside of today? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, it does highlight consistent hustle, I suppose. Like, you need to be consistent on your defense to get at least one steal per game. But... um. Yeah. Yeah, Brad Wanamaker. I want to love Brad Wanamaker. I really, really do. I like his face. I feel like he has like a wizard's <laughs> face for some reason. <laughs> and I like that about him. Yeah. Um, uh, Romeo Langford, he left the game with an illness. I didn't notice this during the game. Um, I was working from home while watching the game and it was kind of a busy day. Here we are podcasting about it regardless. <laughs> um, but Romeo Langford, I only read this tweet after the game, uh, left with an illness. I'm not sure if that, um, like if he caught... Jason Tatum's hangover off him or if that's even possible uh, but yeah something went down there in the, in the locker room so um, you know, yeah. godspeed I, to those guys and their sickness <laughs> I suspect I suspect he was sick but because of the hospital Celtics being the hospital Celtics and in need of bodies they're just like nah you, you've got to play and then we were up 8 at, at half time like okay we're fine no problem <laughs> yeah, yeah we're good bro take the rest can, of it off Tatum, Tatum, Tatum will cover your two points um, Pivoting a little bit to some other news, but a more negative news, I suppose. Jalen Brown will be out at least one week with a hamstring injury. And according to Gary Washburn, Stevens, Brad Stevens said Brown sustained the same grade one hamstring as he did in the 2018 playoffs. And the team will wait at least one week before assessing him. Can Damn. We- yeah, I mean, let's maybe we should combine this with the look at the upcoming schedule. So we've got the Jazz, Thunder... Pacers and Bucks. The Pacers and Bucks games are on the road, I believe. And yep. then the Wizards and the Bulls will sort of cap off the next six games there. Can we make it without Jalen? Like, can we make a noise here? Particularly, like, Jazz Thunder, Pacers, Bucks. That's like a, kind of a terrifying upcoming schedule here, particularly without one Jalen Brown. Now, how are you feeling about that? Yeah, this is not the time to be losing uh, Jalen Brown uh, mm. or anyone else for that matter. Like Kemba's got question marks about his knee. Gordon, yeah. I, we don't really know. At least Tatum is healthy, thank God. Um, but, you know, just on the schedule coming up, like obviously I think with the prospect of playing uh, those games, three, let's just say we go to the Wizard. Now let's just let's just do the next four. So we've got two, on the, uh, two at home, two on the road. I think the Jazz and the Thunder, we should be able to handle at home. Although I think those teams could be out for like maybe some revenge considering yeah. we only beat them what, like a week ago. For so sure. that could, yeah. So and I, I'm, I'm now ex- like expecting Shea Gilgis-Alexander to have a 46-point game against us. Like it's just, <laughs> it just seems like, it just seems like someone's got to do it against us now these days. Anyway, um, but I, so this is curious. I noticed this the other week. If you go beyond the Milwaukee game on I, the 13th of March, yeah. I think you'll find that out of the next uh, 16 games, there's like, is only there's four games with teams against a with a winning uh, team. Only four or five of those are against teams with a winning record. And that is the Heat, the Raptors, the Bucks, and the Pacers. I think. Yeah, and, I and the be, Raptors. Yeah. The Raptors have the inverse of that, basically, to to cap off March, where they they're playing basically all playoff teams until until the end of the season. There, mm. so we we could get yuck, lucky, yucky. We could get lucky yet. Is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, 
<laughs> I was going to say further too, even if Jalen Brown does miss the next like tough stretch of games, which will suck if we drop more than we win, if he's healthy for like that end of the season, one where we can really, you know, put a proper like, you know, win of like some some good results together and that would really prop up us up in the seedings, particularly like you mentioned with Toronto's um uh schedule looking so daunting so yeah i would rather have him available for as long as possible but if he's got to miss the next four um to be ready for the yeah, the run into the playoffs then i think i can live with that yeah just looking ahead at it and based on like what you just said is so almost anything but the next four right <laughs> like play mm. these next four kind of difficult games and then then take your rest before the playoffs and i wouldn't be surprised um, and, you know, note to fantasy team owners out there with Celtics players, I wouldn't be surprised to see a huge rest of our um, starters for the final sort of four or five games of the season, given mm-hmm. that it's like Magic, Pistons, Bulls. Um, and, you know, speaking of this Pacers team, because we do play them towards the end of the season and we play them in less than a week's time, they are weakened. I, I did read today that Malcolm Brogdon limped off the court he has some sort of unclassified lower extremity injury uh and Oladipo they're having a lot of trouble integrating him back into the team and they're just not the sort of plucky paces that they were to begin the season and and to end last season so we could get a little bit lucky there it could be not as dire a stretch as it maybe looks on paper and and Hayward you know to cap this off Hayward is day-to-day so he had a knee contusion which from what I've read is, is basically just a bruise from some sort of um, you know, contact to, to the muscles there in your leg. Essentially got a big bruise. He's got a whole medical team working around the clock to get him back on the floor. So it could just be with Kemba coming back as well, uh, just, just Jalen Brown that's absent. It might not be as bad as it currently seems coming yeah. out of these two weird days. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, like like you said, it, it probably would rather have them all healthy for the next four and then rest them. But and mm. like, yeah, so I I really would like them to come back, like just to you know, I, I I if I look at the if I look at the schedule, really, if I if we had to lose most of those but win one, I just want to beat the Bucks. Yeah, just want to okay. I just want to <laughs> lay a bit of a marker down. But like, I just don't think that happens without everybody healthy. So if we could all be healthy for that game, that would be wonderful. Yeah, we'll see. Maybe it's a statement game. Who knows? Maybe it's mm. it's Tatum elevates from. Superstar to megastar or whatever, whatever the next tier Giannis is. Stopper, yes, please. <laughs> Reddit user Dutor Zion writes: Still think we are contenders when everyone is playing, but I'm getting increasingly worried about our ability to stay healthy. Do you think we've got it mm. in us, Jackson, to just show up healthy to the playoffs, or are we just going to fall apart between now and the end of the season, uh, or somewhere in between? Uh, who knows? Who knows? The only one I got real question marks over, like kind of long term, is Kemba. Mm, sure you start to think Bill Simmons said I think on his podcast there's more just a theory but like you know everyone thought it was crazy that Charlotte didn't give him a max like just straight away like maybe they might have seen something like potentially long term you never know you never know I I think we're a better organization than Charlotte like overall so um, I wouldn't read too much into that but if it, it is enough to make you think okay what if it is what if what if we have to like face the the prospect of entering the playoffs without Kemba Walker terrifying yeah no no not with the bench that's currently constructed no i think that would almost be a wash but we've also we've said that in the past when star point guards have gone out and we've done all right so you know, well yeah see. and with tatum finally drawing all of this attention this defensive attention I, I can't wait i'm so excited to see him and kemba on the court at the same time where kemba can be the beneficiary of, of all of that tatum attention if that makes sense like we haven't really seen that uh, there was the Clippers game before the All-Star break where Kemba did play and that was kind of Tatum's coming out party. And then I don't think we've seen them on the court together at the same time other than the All-Star game on opposing teams since then. 
Mm. And like, I just, I'm chomping at the bit to, to see what this looks like because now surely the scouting report, surely the game plan for opposing teams is double, triple team Tatum, especially when he gets hot. And like to have our full complement there, our um, four or five leaf clover, if you want to call it that, particularly Kemba, who is that shot maker, mm. open to benefit from that. Like, I, I need to see that. Um, yeah. I, but, feel like, I feel like that's probably a dangerously underrated aspect of the Celtics team. Like, yeah. once you get them together, yeah, precisely for the reasons you said, it just opens up so much more. And I think that could, if we're healthy and it, it comes to play, it comes to be, then yeah, shit, I, I, would, I, I can't wait to see that. Yeah, it's uh, certainly an exciting prospect and uh, hopefully they've, they've got some sort of behind-the-scenes um, scheming going on so they at least know what that looks like and feels like um, leading into the playoffs because we may not be able to see it between now and then. Who knows? I've just got my last note here. Nets game? Question mark? And no accompanying notes. I thought if we had time, well, we do have a couple minutes here, Jackson. Um, difficult game to talk about like we've kind of touched on it a couple of times but mm. uh, any takeaways from that next game at all that you kind of feel are worthy of discussion um okay <laughs> <No>. so <laughs> not really um i think about like the biggest stinkers i have seen from the celtics in my in like the in the few years i've been watching them um the the paul pierce jersey retirement game against the Cavs, where we just got like obliterated by the Cavs. in fact they're, they're all Cavs games to be perfectly honest with lebron james um i think we were like down 72 to 31 at the halftime of game two in 2017 this is after isaiah went down all these just like i've like deleted from my memory but i know they exist this is going to be one of those games this is like right in there with Push all of them down, straight away yeah <laughs> it's just yeah it's just the thing it just no, make no sense whatsoever so i am comfortable in saying i believe it just to be one of the most extreme anomalies you know karis lavert is is a, is a great player but 51 points 37 in fourth quarter and overtime against this boston celtics team it just i don't think he's going to do it again if i'm brutally honest and just to the fact that the nets got beaten by like 40 odd or something today too by memphis yeah, just further further <laughs> emphasizes just how much of a of, of a one-off that was in, in my opinion uh it would be silly not to learn lessons from it I think we need a, a big lesson in complacency and kind of maybe getting back to, you know, 2017, 2018, when we would begrudge them for falling behind all the time. And mm-hmm. then they constantly bought themselves out of holes. We need to get back to being not necessarily that team that falls behind, but we need to finish games strong. We need to put teams away in the second half. Um, and to be fair, like I thought we had. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> I understand why they did too. But yeah, no, a total anomaly, uh, a total stinker. I'm glad it's over. I'm glad we bounced back of the win. That's I am glad it's over. I will say that if our final memory of Jalen Brown for the next week or two is a 360 slam in transition, I'm okay with that. And Carson Edwards saw some early minutes in this game and actually knocked down some shots, which was exciting. I was kind of disappointed not to see him today, but I guess Brad was thinking, like, we really need to win this one. So, Carson, you know, I love you, buddy. The fans love you, but not today, old friend. Not today. That's pretty much it. And it was good to have Kemba back for um, a small portion of the game, too. Totally. All right, that's going to do it for this one. Thank you, as always, for joining us. Go ahead and subscribe, rate us five stars, share the podcast with your mates, and give us a follow on Twitter at Celtic Pod. Jackson, love your work, mate. Thanks again. Likewise, buddy. Thanks for having me. All right, until next time, go Celtics. Peace. <laughs>